Welcome to Mind the Resilience, the podcast where we explore crisis management, risk mitigation and security in today's ever-changing world. I am Ramki, your host. In this episode, we discuss the challenges organizations face during crisis and the common mistakes they make. Our guest Brendan provides valuable insights on effective communication and the crucial role of leadership in crisis management. We also dive into ensuring effective crisis management plans including their key components and the importance of regular updates. Discover the critical role of business continuity planning in mitigating risk and maintaining operations during disruptive events. Brendan also shares strategies for identifying critical business processes and integrating business continuity and crisis management plans. We also delve into improving risk management and business continuity strategies, measuring their effectiveness, aligning them with overall business objectives. Get ready to strengthen your resilience on Mind the Resilience. Hello and uh, welcome to Mind the Resilience podcast. We have uh, Brendan today. Brendan, how are you? I'm doing well, Ramki. How are you? I'm doing excellent, uh, Brendan. Thank you so much for um, joining my podcast and uh, sharing uh, your knowledge. So uh, before we start our uh, podcast, uh, Brendan, if you can please introduce yourself. And after you introduce, if you can please let my audience know anything uh, interesting about you apart from your uh, professional work. Sure, Ramki, great to be here. Thanks for um, making me part of your podcast today. Um, so my name is Brendan Monahan. I'm currently the head of US crisis management and resilience for a major global pharmaceutical company um, based in uh, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to joining uh, this organization about five years ago, I worked for two critical infrastructure companies, a major water um, infrastructure company and then uh, a company in the energy industry mm. doing very similar roles um, security management intelligence crisis management business continuity mm. um, and then before that i had um, some experience working with state government agency doing homeland security type issues uh, here in new jersey okay so it's great to be here here with you today and I'm, I'm excited to talk about all this stuff on a fun note i think you asked for something interesting yes. other than work um, stuff so i'm a I'm a new dog owner, Romke. We have okay. a puppy in the house, and uh, that's basically all we're doing right now is trying to, trying to keep all of us sane while we raise a puppy. Before we start, I just want to know, uh, I always ask the same question uh, to all my, uh, you know, uh, the person who's coming to my podcast. How did you land in business continuity, resilience, and, uh, you know, uh, the industry? So, like, you moved, uh, you wanted to move to resiliency industry or it happened and then you got an opportunity and you moved. Like, I just want to know about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's not a straight line in my case. I don't <laughs> think I had, I had set out to, um, to have a career in this space. Um, and I found myself here in sort of a, an interesting indirect way. Um, really kind of um, the simplest way to explain it is that I was working as a, security intelligence analyst for an mm-hmm. energy company in New Jersey. Um, and uh, the, the organization was going through some changes concurrent with Superstorm Sandy hitting uh, ah. our location in New Jersey at that okay. time. So I was promoted into a crisis management and business continuity role, um, mm. actually officially um, on the records on the day that Sandy made landfall, coincidentally. Mm. Um, so I, I okay. had sort of a baptism of fire. 
And, right. and from there, I sort of went on. Okay, okay. Um, why I ask this question is that like many people I interview with Brendan is um, they don't start from their college in the resilience industry. They mm. move on. Uh, the opportunity yeah. presents themselves to them and then they find it fascinating and then they move to resiliency or uh, an opportunity comes by the way they are being told to take up the role and then they take it up and then they like it and then they build their career out of it. So uh, good to know about your uh, background and your story as well, Brendan. So again, thank you so much and welcome to the show again. Okay. Um, so let's kickstart our uh, conversations here. Um my first discussion with you, Brendan, is that can we discuss some of the biggest challenges that organizations face today when responding to a crisis or an emergency situation, right? So to, to, to ask more on that, like what are all the com- common mistakes that organizations make when responding to a crisis? Maybe that's an addendum to the same question that I wanted to pose you. And uh, and and what role does leadership also play in an effective yeah. crisis management? Would you like to give some thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question, Ronki. From you know my perspective, there's a couple of things that, that come to mind. You know, the, the first is maybe not the biggest challenge, but one of the most interesting challenges that I've come across is that you know when a when a crisis like Superstorm Sandy, right, mm. happens, which I just mentioned. It's it's hard not to notice it, right? Yeah. I mean, some some crises are obvious, mm. but many are not, um, and they creep up on you. Sometimes knowing um, what the right treatment is and when to begin to escalating escalate is difficult, mm. um, and I think that can be a challenge sometimes for um, organizations that have even mature crisis teams is. Yeah. It's getting that right, right? Getting that balance of reacting and escalating appropriately. Mm. Um, and there's there's organizations that do it really well. Mm. Um, so I think there's a lot to be learned from those those teams. Mm. The, the other thing that stands out in my mind is the the trap of um, leader ch- the the decision makers on the crisis team mm. being able to differentiate what to do versus how to do it. Okay. When it's time to take action. Mm. So they've identified that an event is occurring. They've decided to um, mobilize a crisis team mm. or a response. And then it's the, sometimes the difficulty in differentiating between what needs to be done and letting uh, a crew sort of respond to it mm. and arguing over how it should be achieved, mm. right? Okay, okay. Uh, great um, analogy here. Um, just to add on that, um, uh, Brendan, how do you see an effective communication during a crisis plays a major role? I see a lot of challenges around communication, right, during the crisis. Do you see anything that organizations can do to have an effective uh, communication strategy during a crisis? Any thoughts on that? On similar Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, communications is, is the number one partner for a crisis team you know, in, in response. So in, in my experience, that's always been the case. You need experienced um, communications people side by side with you on the team um, who, who know the processes, know the channels and the um, audiences that they right. need to interact with, whether that those stakeholders are internal or external. Mm. And there are times when you really need to speak with one voice. Right. right. 
um, and you need to address internal stakeholders sometimes mm -hmm. before um, the external ones, and that can be a challenge. So, so getting that right is really a a profession in and of itself. True. I think we as crisis management people, um, emergency response people, resilience professionals really depend on the folks that have that expertise to to advise us on how to how to come together as a team to, to speak our minds. Sure, sure. Thank you. Good points on that, uh, Brendan. Um, I want to uh, ask you on a similar uh, lines as well. Um, on how can an organization ensure that their crisis management plans are effective and up to date? Again, if you go upon the basics, like what are all the key components of an effective crisis management plan according to you? And how often should organizations review and update their crisis management plan? And, and how can they ensure that the plans are tailored to their respective risks and vulnerabilities? So all in all, how can an organization ensure that, you know, they have a, an effective plan that they can go back and then rely upon during the actual crisis? Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, Ramki, I think there's a, I think there's a few schools of thought when it mm -hmm. comes to plans and crisis management, and and none of them are are right or wrong, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but th where I see um, calibrating this right for an organization is to be really clear about what the purpose of your plans are, or what you mean by plans, mm. right? <clears throat> because I I think sometimes we can do ourselves a disservice by mm. Um, investing a lot of energy and time in creating plans for every imaginable risk. And, and most of us know that when something happens, the, the plan and reality don't always correlate exactly, right? So yep. there's, there's an element of adaptation that's always going to occur. So where does that leave us as mm -hmm. it relates to plans, right? And I think the answer is that there are going to be activities in your organization that mm -hmm. are repeatable to some extent, linear but that you don't do all the time, right? There might mm. be some critical sort of legal or regulatory um, or law enforcement type response that is very uncommon. Um, but when a crisis happens, it must be followed to the letter. Right? Mm. So plans should you know, be a point of reference to those things where mm. you wanna make sure this activity that we don't do all the time, we get it right the first and only time we need it, hopefully. And then as for the rest, the plan is a sort of a guiding principle more mm -hmm. than a prescription, right? As a, as a frame of reference for decision-making, which is the ultimate product of a, of a crisis response team. It's good decision-making to the leadership and the stakeholders. Hmm. Okay. Uh, how frequently you update your uh, crisis management plan? Uh, any uh, benchmark that you follow in your organizations, uh, Brendan, that you can share some thoughts? Yeah, I, th I mean, most of the organizations I've been involved in have sort of an annual review mm -hmm. cycle of some kind that's, um, you know, mature, mature organizations will have like a internal controls review process, or maybe an okay. external audit of some kind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think an annual review is sensible, right? Okay. It doesn't impose a great yeah. deal, Agreed. probably on the organization, but it's also not, um, you know, it's not like you're just forgetting about it on a shelf sure. somewhere. I think the plan, sure. the, the real value of the plan is in, um, sometimes is in actually creating the plan and exercising it. Right? So, mm. so take it down and, and not just doing a paper chase and, 
and um, reviewing it for the sake of reviewing it, but maybe exercising the team and creating a moment yes. around the review process that, that sticks out in people's minds so mm. that the, the whole experience is more of a mnemonic device for what should be done. Sure, sure. Um, I want to focus now on business continuity planning. We, we have discussed on the crisis management uh, planning, uh, Brendan, but now mm -hmm. if we can shift the focus to the business continuity planning, right? So can we discuss the role of business continuity planning in mitigating risks and ensuring that operations can continue uh, during a disruptive events? And again, what are all the key components of a BCP plan that an organizations, uh, you know, have to uh, have in place? And and moreover, how can they can identify their critical business processes and uh, dependencies? I know there are risk assessments in play. Uh, there are, um, you know, BIAs that they can do. But from your perspective, how can, um, you know, an organizations have a good robust bcp plan and also i want to touch upon with you how can bcp plan also can be integrated into the crisis management plan not many people are talking mm -hmm. about it if you can have some thoughts on that as well uh, Brendan. yeah absolutely this is a great this is a great area the overlap between the two disciplines sure. i mean so for me for me business continuity um, serves an organization best when it's focused on the value chain whatever that is okay for the, for the business or the enterprise or the organization, right? So um, so if you have the freedom to define your own BC process, right? You're mm. not required to have certain things. You have to have certain things that you may be required to have. But but if you have the freedom to define it, then if you can focus it on um, your value chain and your backbone operations, business continuity, you know disciplines and practices and procedures they lend themselves really well to that mm -hmm. kind of activity to linear processes and um so I, I think that's you know that's a good investment of bc energy um you know the other thing is business continuity practitioners are kind of a secret weapon in an organization right this is yeah. maybe an overlooked truly valuable resource in a crisis right these are the the people that know the answers to the problems that sure. um, you're not going to need to solve until until you need to. Yeah. BC practitioners know kind of where the skeletons are and where the solutions yes. are and how to do the workarounds and who to talk to to get things done. Yes. So this is where you can tie them in with that crisis management mm. activity. Good one. You know, the crisis team is looking for solutions, right, and and trying to define decisions for stakeholders and. Here we have options from business mm. continuity practitioners. These are choices you can mm. make, things you can propose. And the other thing is that the business continuity, um, the owners of the business continuity world in the organization know how deep the water is. Exactly. Into, right? They're going to know how far you can fall before you hit the bottom. Exactly. And knowing that is really important sometimes. I want to ask you um, about improving the risk management and business continuity strategies, right? So for an organization, what advice would you give uh, to an organization who is looking uh, to improve their risk management and business continuity strategies, uh, Brendan, according to you? And again, can we also touch upon some best practices around uh, risk management um, and risk assessment? And how can organizations also measure the effectiveness of their risk management and uh, BCP strategies, according to you? 
Sure. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, I don't um, claim to be a risk management expert, but, okay. you know, I'm a stakeholder in those processes. Sure. I'm a beneficiary of good risk management professionals work. Mm. Um, you know, and what I would say, you know, in terms of risk management, in terms of business continuity and crisis planning to a certain extent is that, you know, we should all be looking to deliver value throughout the process to True. the extent Agreed. practical, you know, um, sometimes speaking from a business continuity point of view, the, the process we follow may be defined on sort of an annual basis or some cyclical basis where the value is delivered at the end of mm. some period of time. Maybe it's a year, right? Mm. Now, throughout that cycle, you're developing insights and you're gathering information and you're finding things out that could be of benefit, maybe not to your ultimate deliverable, but yeah. to the business and to your partner and to your other stakeholders. You're connecting dots along the way. Hmm. So, so that I think the, what I would say about this romp key is that, you know, we should try not to stand on ceremony too much, <laughs> right. And let our, um, let our work benefit, uh, our stakeholders as we go through the process. And then, you know, this may be a little controversial, but to think outside the confines of, um, the sort of standard approaches to business continuity or, or risk management for that hmm. matter. Um, and kind of be open to to different approaches. You know, I think we're in a different place than we were three or four years ago. Exactly. Um, so, so there's a lot of openness to new ideas, and you know, being able to translate across the disciplines, like you just said, is um, I think there's some value to be added to the process in doing so. Hmm. Okay. Um, I had a uh, you know uh, a guest in my podcast who who's actually coined a name for it. I, I don't know whether you know him, Mark Amar. Um, oh, he, sure, yeah. <laughs> he he has a, something he has coined, and he and his colleague has coined a name called as Adaptive Business Continuity Manifesto, which is yep. actually throwing out the current plan of business continuity or the standards that we have, and then look at holistically on what organizations require. It was actually an eye-opener for me when I had an interview with him, and and when you said now, right, Brendan, um, we have to find out on exactly um, what we are going to do, right? Like rather than, you know, just uh, going by the book and uh, doing the activity and then come up with these plans. Knowing exactly what is required for an organization is more important than, you know, following the standards and process that we have in the market. So just wanted to add on that. Yeah, you know, Mark, uh, Mark Armour's amazing. David Lindstedt, um, his uh, yes. co-author yes. uh, on that is is incredible too. I, and full disclosure, I know them both and and I've worked with the adaptive okay. team a bit. Um, so I'm a big fan of that approach. And, mm. and you know, uh, look, sometimes sometimes the discussion around adaptive can be, um, it can sound controversial simply because yes. some of this, some of the original statements were about yes. doing away with things, but but I think the point is um, that you know we should be willing to to think a little more openly beyond the, the strict processes that have been in place, True. and and ultimately um, the right treatment should be fit for purpose to the enterprise yeah. in question, right? And it may be a combination of traditional practices and something a little more adaptive. Yeah, that's that's more of a balanced uh, opinion from your side. <laughs> okay. Um, Right, let's move our conversations uh, further, uh, Brendan, here. Um, I want to 
talk to you about some emerging threats and challenges that organizations face in the resiliency industry. What are all some of the new and evolving threats? I think cyber threats, we can put it, uh, that organizations need to be aware of. And um, I also wanted to touch upon some very important thing that's happening in the world on the geopolitical tensions, political instability, um, and even the climate change, right? How it's uh, having its effect in our security and um, resiliency landscape. And as an organization, right, how can we be prepared for these emerging threats and challenges and have a plan in place to come out of uh, these challenges uh, from your point, uh, Brendan? Yeah, I, I think geopolitics is is top of mind for most of the stakeholders that mm. that I've listened to, um, and it's and in a lot of cases it's not a subject matter that they're used to sort of dealing with or planning around. So it's it can be uncomfortable, um, you know. But I think it's inescapable that mm-hmm. geopolitics is going to be in the emphasis of a lot of enterprise risk discussions probably in the in the coming year or two. Or further, um, mm-hmm. combined with you know some of the uh, economic realities that mm-hmm. are that are mm-hmm. shaping right inflation, interest rates, yes. um, some of the constraints um, that those those things collectively put on organizations mm-hmm. um, means that you know organizations have to behave differently to compete, mm-hmm. and and we have to think of ourselves as practitioners in this world as enablers of True. our organizations. So. So, I mean, I've heard people say it means n- not in my organization, but otherwhere, other mm-hmm. places, you know, no new toys. You know, <laughs> this is a time when, you know, yeah. we need to get back to basics and yeah. consolidate. And um, and this is an opportunity for us okay. yes. as Great. resilience professionals, right? Because we can, we can bring to bear the expertise that helps organizations win exactly. in these cases. And... When the organizations are trying to compete in a, mm. in a different way or mm. with less or under tighter constraints, then the consequences of um, interruptions are greater, mm. meaning the impact of our ability to support them mm. is, is increased. Mm. So I think this is a critical time for us. And we just have to have to take a view um, that our role is more strategic than ever. Anything that you want to add on cyber threats, especially um how do you yeah. see cyber threats evolving in the coming years? Uh, we have seen, I mean, it's already there for the last quite few years now, but um, especially uh, are there a lot of focus uh, in, in organizations in these cyber threats? Does it warrant this much of um, you know focus that we have considering even we have other bigger challenges that we have talked about on um, you know the climate change or even the geopolitical tensions? But every company that we are, discussing is all about the cyber threats and how, how can we respond to a cyber threat. Do you think that we are putting a lot of focus onto it and maybe uh, it requires a bunch of attention from your perspective? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we have to be able to do more than one thing at once, you know, and cyber preparing for a cyber threat or a catastrophic IT outage um, is one of those things. We cannot take our eye off that ball. Okay. Um, so that, that can't be that can't be left unnoticed and you know what's the other wrinkle in all of these conversations is the generative ai thing right yeah. every, every discussion needs yes. to have an ai reference and mm-hmm. and i think there's some some merit to that right you know there's some some opportunities for how it may impact our work but mm-hmm. um 
it it makes um, it increases the capabilities mm. of adversaries right at a lower level to do okay. greater harm. So I think it's an interesting dynamic to think about. Mm. Okay, good. Um, I want to ask you specifically on the pandemic, uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic that we have. Right? Um, how has these recent events, uh, the pandemic, the cyber attacks, or even the natural disasters that we talked about in the beginning has impacted the security and uh, resiliency industry like what lessons can organizations especially learn from this covid-19 pandemic in terms of crisis management and uh, business continuity planning uh, anything you want to share on that yeah i think there's kind of like a whipsaw effect <laughs> yeah. you know there there was um there was a rush to to respond and to invest in these areas uh and to do more and better. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, as often happens over history, right, the, the tide will go back out. And we're in that phase now, right? Mm. Organizations are confronted with new challenges and constraints that we've just discussed. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're on the beach and the tide is going out. Have we learned anything? Right? Mm. The organizations that have, um, that have improved the way that they do resilience or think about business continuity, crisis, disaster recovery, that are, yeah. that are making improvements and implementing them um, will perform better next time. The ones mm -hmm. that have gone back to bad habits, mm -hmm. well, they, they just may be doomed to repeat history. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I hope not. But but I think that's where we are, right? There was, the, the tide is rolling back out on the, mm -hmm. the emphasis, right? We've made a lot of investments. We've made a lot of improvements. Now mm -hmm. we need to make sure they stand the test of time. My next discussions with you is on some of the trends that you see in the horizon for um, security and uh, resiliency professionals, right? So how do you see the role of our resiliency and security um, professionals evolving in the next few years? And um, do you think any new technologies and approaches uh, are coming up in, in our industry and um, how important it is to collaborate and share informations that will play a very bigger role in uh, security industry and the resiliency industry yeah so i think there's there's a couple of things there that that might be interesting to watch mm -hmm. there's some really interesting conversations around risk intelligence and how that can be maybe a, a source of collaboration across some of these disciplines okay um, how risk intelligence might take us from enterprise risk management to, to better crisis planning and mm. improving business continuity processes. I think there's an opportunity to unify some of the conversations there. Agreed. There's also, you know, a lot of interesting um, debate and conversation around some of the words we use and, and operational resilience comes mm. to mind, you know, which I think sometimes um, I'm not sure if I understand what we mean by that. Me too. Or if it's any different than operations. Um, which is, you know, are we talking about identifying deviations from, mm. from normal processes and correcting mm. them? Um, or are we talking about something more? And I, I think being, having the ability to, to identify the patterns mm. across sure. what might be considered everyday deviations Valid. that might lead to, yeah. So there's a kind of an intelligence process that could overlay exactly. the operations that, that then leads you to better decisions in crisis. I think AI can add on these decision patterns or whatever the patterns that we are seeing. We discussed, I mean, you, you touched upon the AI coming up in a very big. I think 
on the decision making especially um, as well as identifying the patterns ai can play a huge role uh, any thoughts on that yeah i mean you took the words out of my mouth i, I think you're yeah. right the um the pattern recognition and the and the the translating into common sense mm -hmm. language could be you know a real opportunity for some kind of an ai application mm. um and also you know as far as technology and ai goes there's the the world of gsocs and um kind of unified operation centers that okay. handle incoming inquiries and um transactional types of activities mm. that that might be sort of fortified by an ai application of some kind i, I don't know what that looks like right yeah it's kind of we're all kind of speculating yes. but yeah those are kind of the low-hanging fruit in my mind for for mm. where that sort of technology might fit in to to make us all sort of better at what we do yeah um have you used chat gpt uh just like that uh, brendan have you done it have you done some R&D yeah. it's it's brilliant yeah, totally. right it's amazing it's amazing right so uh, i was just playing around with uh, chat gpt on uh, what might be the future uh, crisis management and business continuity and disaster recovery is i had got a fascinating response and uh, responses on how it can help us out i think it can have a separate podcast on that but uh, <laughs> the way things are moving so fast um, the way this Uh, you know these ai models that's coming up and then uh, you know trying to resolve our queries it's amazing and i'm sure that um not so far away from where we see you know maybe ai is is actually in the center of the table taking decisions for us and then we just say yes or no whether we are okay with it <laughs> or or, or yeah. not with those uh, you know the decisions that it's taking so i think it's a yeah i, I I think I think you're right. You're spot on, Ronky. Actually, you sh what I would love to see is you on the podcast with Lex Friedman talking about this. <laughs> so why don't you give him a call? That's one I would I would definitely tune into. Oh, oh. I, I I hope I can have those kind of conversations. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So to move forward, uh, Brendan, on on uh, on this on the similar topics that we have. Um. what skills and qualities do you think are most important for uh, resilience uh, professionals and what uh, any technical skills or knowledge that is necessary for uh, you know people like security or resilience leaders and how important is the ability to communicate as well in the field of security and resilience any any thoughts on on improving these aspects Yeah, you know, in the in the order of importance, I would place the sort of soft skills first, the ability to communicate second, and then the technical skills third. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so you know, of all the people that I've worked with in this industry, all of the practitioners in this kind of work, they come from all walks of life. Right. Former military, law enforcement, exactly. government. They come from operations. They're scientists. They're yeah. um, technicians. They're experts in the business and and some of them are just you know died in the wool business continuity people that have done it their whole careers you can come from many walks of life and enter this work and do very very well what will make you successful is your ability to be influential outside of your your chain of command right mm -hmm. outside of your authority the ability to gain and exert influence with people through um through sort of partnership and through developing relationships mm. i think curiosity 
um, is yes. key. And having kind of a thick skin, right? <laughs> so being able to to take no for an answer, um, but not let that stop you. Um, Completely being agree. able to, yeah. So some willingness in those areas, I think, is is key. And um, and you know what's what's great about that is that for a young person, um, those things more often than not come naturally. So the the maybe the lack of technical skill or the lack of experience yeah. in terms of years and so on mm-hmm. is less important than your ability to walk in absolutely. and try it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the more conversations that we can have with our peers, the more you are going to learn in this industry. That's what I have seen. It's all about building relationship. And I think it's pretty simple. The, the concept is pretty simple in business continuity and uh, resiliency industry, Brendan, from my perspective. It's it's easy to learn, but it's not that easy to implement and get the work done. Like you said, you should have a thick skin. Um, there's a lot of no that you have to uh, you know hear before you say yes to many things um, in, in our industry. So completely agree on whatever you have said. Okay. Um, my last discussion with you, uh, Brendan, is what advice would you give uh, to an individual looking to develop a career in uh, in resiliency? And again, what skills and knowledge? I think we have discussed uh, in my in our, in our previous point, but again, asking you what skills and knowledge areas that individual should focus on um, for starting their career in uh, security and uh, resiliency industry. Say, for example, if if uh, a person is fresh from a college, right? What advice would you give him or her to start um, their career in, in security and in, uh, security and resiliency industry? Yeah, I would say most important is seek out some good mentors and good role models. Very important at, at your organization or outside. And a great way to do that is to is to join some of the professional organizations mm-hmm. that are out there and get involved. Okay. Most of them have um, sort of emphasis on on young, you know, young career professional development, mm-hmm. um, early career professional development. So there's a lot of opportunities to have um, to take volunteer leadership roles um, mm-hmm. in, in a number of different areas, and that can be a great way to find some some role models and mm-hmm. find a mentor that can really guide you. Um, you know, and, and for me what I would tell anyone who's curious about this work is that, you know, if it's something you think you might be interested in, give it a shot because it might be the best career decision you ever make. Right. Yeah. Most of the, most of the people I talk to, I don't know about you, but most of them will say they have the best job at the company. Exactly. You know, it's it's same here for me as well. Um, I I think just wanted to ask you uh, this question as well. Is it a good paymaster as well, this uh, industry for an, a person who is starting new or even for a mid-career? Do you think uh, the person can earn more or uh, is it a good, uh, you know, to, to, to if, if someone is growing in the the career path of a resiliency industry, do you see that the pay is also getting increased and it's 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 up to the mark like other in other uh, industries that we have? You know, I, I don't know. There, there's, some, there's some good data out there on it um, mm. that can be found and you can... You can sort it by, you know, career level and industry and yeah. so on. I, I would say it's, you know, it's competitive. Mm, yes, um, agreed. And, and the thing is, you know, you can do quite well. Um, and you don't have to do this for the rest of your life. Right? Exactly. The advantage of doing this work is that you're going to have such a broad, you're going to have such a breadth 
and depth exactly. of knowledge about your organization that you're going to be in a winning position to to laterally move or to advance. Correct. You'll have options and you'll know people. Many many people will get into a job and a role um, and go drill down a mile deep in it and really not get exposed to much else, mm. which is perfectly fine. Um, but sometimes the quickest way to advance is to is to have a broad network across a lot of functions and know a lot of people. And this is a one way to do that really well. Fantastic points, Brendan. Uh, good good points on you know uh, progressing your career in resilience industry. So with that, we come to the end of our uh, podcast. Uh, great points, great discussions that I had with you, Brendan. Uh, you have given a lot of information for everyone to digest. Uh, I would say that it's like a smooth uh, piano uh, music. Like uh, we have we have touched upon a lot of <laughs> points in resiliency industry, which my audience uh, will love it. And, uh, you know, they wanted to hear more uh, on those lines. So before I end the show, Brendan, I want to ask you, like, if someone wants to get in touch with you um, or want to take the conversations forward, what is the best medium to do it and how can they do it? Absolutely. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm active on there. I'm easy to find on there. Okay. I'm also on uh, Twitter and Instagram, but uh, LinkedIn is probably the quickest way to find me. Okay. I'm going to put your LinkedIn profile in my show notes so that they can refer Great. and uh, get in touch with you uh, and then have these conversations going along. Okay. Thank you so much for joining my podcast again. Uh, have a wonderful day. See you then. Bye.